Warminster, Pennsylvania. Located in the Delaware Valley in Bucks County, it was named after a small town in England's Wilshire County and is part of the greater Philadelphia metropolitan area. It began in 1685 as a small farming community and has stayed that way through most of its historical existence, aside from serving as a battle site during the Revolutionary War that gave George Washington and his troops a key victory. With a total population of about 33,000 residents, it is a peaceful and quiet area. And yet, in the past 80 years, some of the more important technological breakthroughs in data and information sharing and in our space program were developed here. Warminster, Pennsylvania is also home to the annual Zolocon Toy and Collectible Show. That's where we're heading today. This is the first toy show of the year. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. The show was about an hour from my house, so I left a little before 7 a.m. Saturday morning. It was definitely one of the colder days of the winter, and as my garage door opened like the hangar scene in Hoth, a sharp, bitter wind hit me in the face. I zipped my jacket up as high as it would go, put my sunglasses on, and got into my car. The sun was just coming up, and there was a haze over the road in front of me. Traveling through Pennsylvania is a trip I always enjoy. A friend of mine complains that it's monotonous, but I find a sense of tranquility in those long stretches of straight roads. Instead of focusing heavily on the directions and on the turn-by-turn navigating, I can relax and listen to a podcast episode. There are certain podcasts I save for trips like this, and Sky Payne and Stephen B. Danley's The Vintage Pod is a great example. I put on the latest episode, and as the opening music played, the hectic pace of the previous week dissipated. And it finally hit me. A new year of toy show trips is beginning. I'm going to Zolocon. So what exactly is Zolocon? It's an annual toy show held in Warminster, Pennsylvania. Zolocon is always special because it generally marks the first big toy show of the year. And after nearly two or three months of no shows throughout the winter, Zolocon is what finally scratches that itch that we as collectors, as hunters, possess. The show was started by Michael Zolotoro. Michael began a company called Zola World about 10 years ago, which produces protective cases for carded and loose toys. 
He specializes in cases for a lot of the larger size figures, like Thundercats and He-Man. But he has every type of case for every toy line you could possibly imagine. So if you're looking to protect the toys and collectibles that mean something to you, I recommend visiting ZolaWorld.com and browsing his selection. And after a few years of being in business, the next step for Michael and for Zola World was to bring together people of all ages who appreciate toys. And thus, Zolocon was born. The first year I went to Zolocon was in 2016, the year the show premiered. I was joined by my childhood friend Jay Lieberston, whom I've mentioned in the Early Bird episodes. We had been going to the monthly Wayne Toy Shows in Wayne, New Jersey, and a mutual friend and one enticing flyer convinced us to take the trip through Pennsylvania. As my friend said, if you like the Wayne Toy Shows, you'll like this one. It's going to be like Wayne, but bigger. The main problem was, our friend was right. Zolocon was like the Wayne Shows, which are smaller, single-room toy shows held at a local firehouse. The main difference was just the size. Many of the same vendors were at Zolocon, but the overall prices on a lot of the collectibles were higher than usual. I had high hopes of finding some vintage-carded Star Wars figures, or at the least, some loose vintage figures, but the two of us came away empty-handed and were disappointed by the experience. And on the ride home from the show, Jay and I decided we probably weren't going to go back the following year. Except by the time the next one rolled around, we had completely changed our minds and found ourselves driving back to Pennsylvania together that February. Up until recently, my last show of the year would be sometime in late October or early November, and after all those months of not going to shows, of not hunting, well, at that point, I would have gone anywhere. And I'm really glad we gave the show a second chance. Oftentimes, we don't realize the hard work, the time and effort it takes to not only plan a show but to get it to run like a show is supposed to run. To fill a building, no matter what the size, and to get vendors to show up with toys for sale. To think ahead and to make sure that the show has obvious things like tables and electrical outlets and space, as well as amenities like an easy load-in area, sufficient lighting, restrooms and food vendors, and the hundreds of other needs a toy and collectible show requires. So was Zolocon's first outing a bad one? Not at all. It was simply the first launch, the first attempt at building something, and there was a heart and a thoughtfulness that was there, even if I failed to recognize it initially. The second year of Zolocon turned out to be a great experience. It was on my birthday, and Jay and I met up with Al Torello and a few other friends. We walked through the show, and the change from a year ago was incredible. The number of vendors had grown considerably, and the inventory they had with them was as vast and as unique as the sellers themselves. Jay, Al, and I walked through the show together, and at times we'd split up to talk with other friends we knew, or to linger at certain tables for a little longer for deeper dives. Over the course of a handful of hours, we went around the venue multiple times, making sure we didn't miss anything. And when we left the show, we grabbed a few additional friends for an impromptu meal where we sat and talked about Zolocon and about Star Wars over some really great dishes. That was such a special day on so many levels. And for me, getting to spend my birthday with the ones who meant so much to me, and to be able to hunt for Star Wars figures as well? As a collector, I couldn't ask for more. Last year, I went by myself. Neither Jay nor Al were able to make it, but I had another fantastic time at Zolocon. My circle of collector friends had grown exponentially from attending events like Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, and a number of them attended Zolocon that year. 
Initially, I had planned to stay for only two or three hours, but wound up being there for the majority of the day. Zolocon was transitioning from a toy show to an event, and there was a genuine excitement around it. Vendors took pride in the show and brought special pieces that would be talked about in the following days. Ross Barr and Mark Ryan of Grading Company CAS set up a booth there to accept in-person submissions of toys to be cased and graded. The room itself began to become more and more crowded, and I found myself constantly having to cut through the influx of new attendees. New faces manned many of the tables, and the ones who had set up at previous Zolocons brought even more good stuff to show off and to sell. This was truly a special show, and I was so thankful to be able to attend another memorable event. That year at Zolocon was also the first time I had mentioned to anybody that I was going to do a podcast. I purposefully told friends and collectors because I wanted to make sure I was going to follow through on it once I shared my intention with others. I also wanted to see what the people I cared about and often admired, thought about the idea. The response touched my heart. Each friend not only encouraged me to do it, but offered to be interviewed and to help out and discuss the toys we loved without ever hearing an episode first. There was no hesitation, no skepticism, just constant echoes of friendship. And that was the day the podcast became a reality for me. And it happened at Zolocon. In the afternoon, fellow collector Robin Bokra, who I affectionately call my space sister, joined me. She and I walked around the show like kids, bouncing from table to table, gawking at some of the rarer and underappreciated Star Wars items. We spoke with friends and vendors, making new friends as we went along, and picking up cool pieces for our respective collections when we couldn't pass them up. One of my favorite moments from that day was at the table of a mutual friend named Art. After talking with Art for a little while, Robin purchased two pieces from him. One was a very rare production piece, the 1978 Star Wars Canadian Regal plush Jawa. The other was on the other end of the collecting spectrum in both desirability and price, a 1985 baby blue plastic lunchbox from the R2-D2 and C-3PO cartoon series Droids. And while most collectors distinguish between the two based on rarity and value, to Robin, they were equally special, and to see the joy she felt from finally owning both of them made me appreciate each one in a way I hadn't previously felt. And Zolocon has been very good to me. Last year, I was able to pick up a really nice Blue Saber Luke Jedi figure, a double-telescoping Luke Skywalker in fantastic condition, and some modern Star Wars prototype heads for some of the characters I collect. I couldn't wait to see what I'd bring home this year. I arrived around 8 a.m. just as the show was opening. I had purchased a VIP ticket in advance, which allows ticket holders to shop the show an hour early before the general attendees would enter at 9 a.m. I opted to leave my coat in the car since conventions like this tend to get rather warm and crowded as they begin to fill up. However, by the time I reached the front of the building, my hands and face were numb from the cold, and I was shivering. As cold as it was, I didn't care. 
I stopped as I approached the venue to take the entire scene in, just for a handful of seconds. I recalled memories past from the event, like standing outside with friends when the weather was a little warmer, or the excitement of going in each time not knowing what I'd find, and other personal moments that I will forever connect with the Fuge. Yes, that's what the building is called. Originally known as the Johnsville Centrifuge, the name was shortened to the Fuge a few years ago when it became an event center. But it was so much more. Here's the story behind the Fuge and what makes this Warminster building so special. From 1946 to 1996, the U.S. Navy operated 31 developmental laboratories in Warminster. The labs were responsible for some crucial advances in the technologies we use today, like the black box flight data recorder used by airlines, satellite GPS technology, and photosensitive lenses. The laboratories were responsible for generating over 50 patents annually. In 1949, the Aviation Medical Acceleration Laboratory, otherwise known as AMAL, premiered the Johnsville Centrifuge. It was truly a marvel. Inside the three-story-high circular room, the centrifuge consisted of a 50-foot-long arm connected to a 180-ton, 4,000-horsepower motor in the center of the room. At the other end of the arm was a gondola, a capsule that would house pilots, or later astronauts, and the motor would spin the arm in a circle around the room at an incredible 178 miles per hour. This simulated the zero-g force that astronauts like John Glenn, Neil Armstrong, and Buzz Aldrin would experience in space. The centrifuge ran until 2005, and since then has served as a museum about spaceflight, and more recently as an event center that hosts banquets, weddings, and the Zolocon toy show. But if you're like me, you're probably asking yourself, why was a small town in Pennsylvania home to the largest centrifuge of its time? The answer is a logical one. Stability. In order to run something as powerful as a centrifuge, the ground it was built upon needed to be able to support it. When asked about the centrifuge's location, Mike McGuire, president of the Johnsville Centrifuge and Science Museum, said, This is the most stable piece of land in all of North America. 98% bedrock. That's why the machine is here. And that's where we are today on the most stable pieces of land in North America, in front of a building responsible for not only getting us into space, but for helping us to return back to Earth. And while it served its time as the Johnsville Centrifuge, it is now known simply as the Fuge. Flight deck is manned and ready. Five, four, three, two, one, mark. Okay, keep in mind it's going to be rapid onset. Uh, 3.5 on your mark. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, mark. After taking a few seconds to look at the fuge from the outside, I hastily walked up the front stairs and into the building, getting in line behind the other early attendees. 
Even with the doors closed, the cold air had swept into the room, and I needed to get warm again. When it was my turn, I gave the ticket person my first and last name, and she wrapped a neon yellow VIP paper bracelet around my wrist. One of the really nice and thoughtful things the promoters do is to give VIP attendees goodie bags upon entering. This one contained a magazine. In my case, it was a Star Trek publication from the 1980s or 1990s, and with it, a sealed-bagged salacious crumb and Jabba's pipe set from the 1983 Kenner Jabba the Hutt playset. Two of my favorite things are vintage Star Wars toys and anything still sealed, so I really appreciated the gift. I walked through a narrow door and into a stairwell that reminded me of one from my high school, or from an older library. At the top of the stairs, I followed the curve of the small room around toward another entrance. The corridor narrowed and lowered a bit, and where this part was brightly lit due to a wall of translucent glass, the other end was darker, and I knew I was approaching the show. Once inside, I was greeted by a young woman dressed as Ariel from Disney's The Little Mermaid. She was at a table in front of me, setting up for the show. Directly to my left was a series of tables that stretched the length of the wall. On the first of the many tables stood a rotating case filled with loose vintage Star Wars figures, each on a plastic stand and with a price sticker. I saw common figures like Walrusman and Squidhead, and some of the rarer, more desirable ones like the Power of the Force's R2-D2 with a pop-up lightsaber. There was a large boxed modern Millennium Falcon behind the tables, and in a glass case closest to me were some of the Knickerbocker Lord of the Rings figures. The rest of the items formed a blurry mountain, literally stacked to the ceiling. Whenever I go to a toy show, I generally take a quick lap of the entire room, just so I don't miss out on anything that could potentially be purchased early, so I breeze through that particular vendor's tables, scanning for anything noteworthy as I walked by. Where his tables ended, another room began. Taking up one large section of the room was a group of tables belonging to Robert Bruce, a gifted and knowledgeable collector. He has starred on AMC's comic and toy show Comic Book Men, and he runs his own successful horror and pop culture convention called the New Jersey Horror Convention. Robert has been buying and selling toys of all kinds for decades, from the vintage Godzilla toys to the obscure collectibles from the 1940s and 50s. He has built a database of information that comes only from the tireless hunt, from studying generations of toys, and from countless hours of conversations with collectors of all types, and quite simply, from the love of collecting. I met Rob at the Wayne Toy Show in New Jersey years ago, when I first started collecting vintage Star Wars toys seriously. And I will never forget the kindness he showed me. Rob had purchased an incredible collection, all carded Star Wars figures, from the first 12 released all the way to the end of the Kenner toy line with the Power of the Force figures. The carded figures were in incredible condition, and while the boxed vehicles and playsets had been opened, they were left virtually untouched in the box. Each month, Rob would bring a selection of that collection to sell at the Wayne Show, and I would wait outside for the show to open. And sometimes he would meet me at the door, saying, I have some stuff for you. And he'd walk me in with him, and would pull back a sheet he had over one of his glass cases to reveal seven, ten, sometimes twenty carded vintage Star Wars figures. Twelve-inch boxed figures would be perched on shelves behind him. He'd bring a few boxed vehicles with him, and I never knew what amazing piece he'd, I'd see next. Those moments were some of the most exciting times in my early days of collecting, 
and having the ability to take them home and being from someone who I looked up to as a mentor was incredibly special. Rob is usually one of the first people I run into at Zolocon. His setup was more impressive than ever, full of vintage toys and really obscure, interesting ones, many of which I've never seen before. We talked for a while, which is always difficult at the beginning of the show, because people are always stopping by his table to catch up with him as well, or they're asking about prices of some of his items. But I shook his hand, and in a rare moment alone with him, I thanked him for helping me with my collection, beginning all those years ago. As I continued to move through the room, I ran into a friend. As we shook hands, he leaned in and said to me, You should have been here last night. He grinned at me and kept walking. I knew he was talking about setup for the show. It always happens on Friday night, and sometimes some rarer items will exchange hands between vendors or those that come in with the vendors. Wait, I called to him. What happened last night? What did you see? A few big ones. One that may interest you, he shouted back. I'm sure you'll hear about it soon. Most of the time, a good find comes from being at the right place at the right time, or stumbling upon something that is always overlooked. And while it pays to show up early, there's always someone who's a few steps ahead of you. It's just the way it is. My stomach tightened, though. I hated missing out on what could be a good Star Wars piece, and I was curious to know what it was. The room I was in was starting to fill, so I left it and headed toward the main area, back through the darkened hallway again, past the little mermaid who was busy applying makeup to an eager little girl's face, back toward the growing sound. With a burst of bluish light, the main room opened and rose before me. I was in the centrifuge. No matter how many times I've visited the centrifuge for these toy shows, the size of the room always shocks me. It's a massive, cylindrical room with a large vertical structure in the center of the floor. At the highest tip of that structure, at least a story or two high, a horizontal arm juts out, almost reaching the centrifuge's wall. On the end of that arm, high above my head, is a little oval-shaped pod, in which an astronaut in training would sit. The arm would rotate around the room in a circle, and accelerating at its maximum speed would simulate the gravitational force of being in outer space. The structure and arm look like a massive crane, and its presence, looming over us, is somewhat intimidating. The way the tables are set up, there is an inner circle, and on the other side of those tables is a larger circle. There's ample space to walk and to look at the tables on each side of my path. On giant 300-inch screens mounted on the walls just below the ceiling, videos showing old toy commercials and trailers for the movies and shows of our childhoods play. And occasionally the room becomes very loud, buzzing with the bass. I find myself staring at those screens occasionally, and I realized I hadn't seen some of those commercials since I was a child. In the small room next to the center structure is a snack booth. They're smartly selling delicious-looking donuts to the many attendees who rushed out of their houses without eating. There's also an assortment of hot foods, like chicken fingers and french fries, and the booth stays pretty busy supplying meals to the hungry as each hour ticks by. Facing the entrance to the room is James Gallo's table, 
James is a longtime toy collector and was part of the group that trekked out to Ohio to dumpster dive for prototypes at the old Kenner building and to meet up with former employees. He is a local to the area and runs a toy and comic store called the Toy and Comic Heaven, which is a few miles down the road in Willow Grove. Here at Zolocon, James always sets up in the same spot, and it's easy to see why. Being on the end cap of an aisle and facing the entrance, it's a prime area in terms of visibility and foot traffic, and he always brings some amazing things for sale. Behind him is a rack about six or seven feet tall displaying graded and ungraded comic books, most of which are key issues. On the table in front of him sit three or four showcases. The one on the far right is loaded with loose vintage Star Wars figures. Next to that is a case exclusively displaying modern Star Wars figures, each one bagged and with its accessories. Some of them are your rarer modern Star Wars figures, like 2009's Darth Crate or the rare Jedi Temple Guard from the Rebels cartoon series. Seeing a notable seller like James devoting part of his sales table to the newer Star Wars figures is a sign of their growing popularity among collectors. Next to that case is where all of the rare stuff sits. At the top of it is a mock-up of Logre from the 1985 Ewoks cartoon series. A mock-up is what the designers at Kenner would create to see what a figure would look like in packaging before the display graphics were created, or before the piece and the packaging were finalized. And for this particular figure, Logre sits in a clear bubble that has been applied to a white piece of cardboard. Even without the iconic Ewoks logo and the blues and greens of the production card back, there's something special to it. There is a carded Empire Strikes Back R2-D2 with sensor scope figure, and a number of other carded figures in really nice shape. And whenever James sets up at a show, he always has the pieces you will not see anywhere else. While I was looking at James's collection, I witnessed a gentleman named Rich purchasing a pretty special comic from him. Curious, I asked Rich about his purchase and in the process, made a new friend. Thank you. Okay, we're here. It's about 9.45, uh, the morning of, of Zolocon, and I'm here with a new friend, Rich, that I, I just met, and uh, I got to actually witness him purchasing something cool. So, Rich, if you just want to explain what you picked up. Uh, yeah, I got a New Mutants 98, first issue of Deadpool, uh, something that I've had years before and loaned it out, and it just never made it back. Um, you know, and at the time, you think, well, whatever, man. It's like a dollar comic. You can find another in a dollar bin. Just never picked it up, and... I never picked it up, and now I'm paying the price. <laughs> so, but but this is a special one because uh, for two reasons: one, that it's graded and it's graded yeah, pretty yeah. highly. Yeah, uh, it is graded uh, 9.2, and secondly, it's signed by the uh, creator Fabian Nasesa. So, uh, you know, it was just an awesome pickup, uh, something that's been at the top of my list for a while, and it's great to pick up a special issue that's signed and graded, especially. Ah, that's awesome! I'm so glad. It's always really cool to see it, and you were buying from one of my friends, which is really nice as well. Too, so it was just a nice transaction. Um, so, what else did you find here that you picked up? Uh, I mean, there's just so much. First of all, uh, it was overload walking through the door. I had to take a trip <laughs> around first before I even started uh, kind of picking stuff up. But um, I picked up a few Transformers uh, from my childhood that just never made it. Um, and also uh, uh, Super Nintendo, Captain America, and the Avengers 45. that I could not find in my retro game store. They were constantly sold out. Um, it's just a great side-scrolling beat-em-up. And uh, I love playing with my son, who's like seven, and he just loves buttons. 
button mashing. So oh, that's, that's great. It's, that's it's a good. Cool. It's a good pickup uh, for both me and him. So he'll he'll enjoy that for sure. Well, congratulations, yeah. Rich. It was a pleasure to meet you as yeah. well too. And I hope you you come back and find more cool things. Oh, I definitely will. I'll be back again for sure. <laughs> great. I continued on, opting to check out the tables along the outside ring first. Maria from Tinkerby Toys was one of the first tables I passed. She and her husband Jerry run a toy store in Allentown, New Jersey, and when they set up at places like Zolocon or New York Comic Con, their selection, especially of loose toys from the 1980s and 1990s, is always worth checking out. My first purchase of the day came as a welcome surprise. I walked by a table that was decked out with about four aluminum cases full of loose Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Star Wars figures, and noticed a carded Ewoks figure from 1985. Over the past few years, I've picked up some of the carded droids and Ewoks figures whenever I come across one in really nice condition. I never set out to collect either series, but I've always appreciated the figures, mainly due to the fact that they're part of the original Kenner Star Wars run. And because the figures were based on cartoons, the designers created them in more vivid colors, making use of vibrant reds and electric yellows, as well as dipping into the softer pastel colors like light purples. The styled decision was an interesting direction away from the realism of the paint applications from the Star Wars trilogy figures, and really makes these droids and Ewoks figures stand out. In one of the cases was an Ewoks Duloc Scout, one of the antagonists from the cartoon. He is a wiry figure with light green fur and a triangle-shaped head. The dark green card to which the figure was attached was unpunched, meaning it had most likely come from a sealed case of figures and was never put out onto store shelves. The punch is the hole in the top center of the card, usually covered by a foldable tab of the cardboard backing, which would either bend or break off when a store employee would hang the carded figure on a metal hanger in the action figure section of the toy aisle. This card's tab was fully intact. But this particular Duloc Scout piqued my interest. Even from a few feet away, I could see that both the bubble and the inner tray that held the figure in place were clear. For many Star Wars figures, the bubbles have yellowed over the past decades, so finding a clear one could be a rarity. And as Kenner used cheaper plastics over the span of Star Wars figure production, Changes in climate and humidity and a series of other factors trigger the yellowing in most of the ones from the 1980s. So finding clear bubbles for many of the later carded figures, from Return of the Jedi and beyond, can be a true challenge. And what I've noticed over the years is that the carded figures with the inner plastic trays tend to experience a high rate of yellowing, and the tray is generally the first part to change color. But this Duloc Scout was one I needed for my collection and finding one that was unpunched, case fresh, and with a clear bubble and inner tray doesn't happen often. So I nervously looked around for its owner. At a toy show, if you see something you're interested in, it's generally a good idea to pick it up. That way, the seller knows you're looking to purchase it, and no one else can walk by and claim it. But this was locked in a case, and I had no intention of picking up the entire case. Some of the people who were rifling through nearby bins began to move in the direction of where I was standing, and so I leaned over the case, holding it with two hands. I am fully aware of how ridiculous this sounds, and I assure you, it looks even more embarrassing in person. But I could feel someone approaching the case, and I tensed up. It was the figure's owner, Glenn, 
I had met Glenn through my dear friend Linda at a toy show a few years ago, and whenever they set up as vendors, Glenn not only loads his bins with figures, but will also have containers strictly for the hard-to-find accessories that many of us had lost as children, or, more recently, as negligent adults. The price on the Dulock Scout was fair, and I was happy to be able to do a deal with a friend, and to add a missing piece to my collection. And that's what collectors do. We select a specific puzzle to tackle, figure out how many pieces are out there, and then hunt those pieces down. So if you're looking to collect a set of 48 or 77 or even 92 loose figures, there's your puzzle. If you're looking to collect the first 12 Star Wars carded, well, your puzzle is a smaller one, but each piece will be much more expensive. But regardless of what we choose, the desire to check off every box on the list becomes the mission. And that's the fun of collecting. Sometimes we start out with a plan, and sometimes a puzzle box winds up in our lap. But we ultimately decide what our collections will look like, and which items and which runs we will pursue. After taking a trip around the main loop, I decided to head upstairs. If I remember correctly, the upstairs room wasn't even open the first year of Zolocon. I followed a narrow set of wooden stairs up to the second level. And once you reach the top of the stairs, you're face to face with a gondola that's connected to the arm of the centrifuge. It's a little pod shaped like an eyeball, and it reminds me of something from a 1950s sci-fi movie. The upper half is a weathered white, and the bottom half is in a darker gray. The front hatch is raised, allowing visitors to peer into the gondola, and there isn't much room in there. It appears to be large enough to fit one person, and I can't imagine the courage it took to get inside of it, knowing you would be spinning around the room at 175 miles an hour. In a corridor next to the staircase was a computer room. This little alcove was home to a massive computer system, complete with monitors, microphones, and printouts. I assume this is where the scientists worked from, recording data from the centrifuge experiments and communicating with the passenger inside the gondola. I took a photo of it, as as it's rare to see something from decades past so perfectly preserved. Walking past the computer area, I entered a large room filled with more tables. The sun shone through some of the windows off to my right, but other than that, it was dimly lit. In a corner was a gentleman with a number of cardboard boxes filled with modern carded Star Wars figures. Next to him was Ryan Bauer. Ryan and I met at a toy show a few years back, and our friendship began as most do at these shows, where you see each other once, and maybe talk for a bit, and then you see one another again at the next show, and then at the next show, and the show after that and then in another state. And somewhere along the way, often without consciously realizing it, you become friends. And that's a great thing. And Ryan is a great guy. I know he was setting up the night before, and I have a feeling I know where the piece went that my friend mentioned earlier, so I decided to stop by his table to catch up for a bit and to see if he knew anything about it. When I approached Ryan's table, we shook hands, hugged, and he said to me, "'Did you hear about what was here last night?' 
I told him someone had mentioned it, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was. And while Ryan didn't purchase it, he was able to take a few photos of it at the seller's table, so he pulled out his phone and he showed them to me. It was the Star Wars X-Wing Aces target game, the same one I had the chance to play at the Lemkel house during the Cincinnati trip. And while it was pretty rare to find it complete and in the box, it was what was on the outside of the box that made this one unique. I'll let Ryan explain. Yes, David, my name is Ryan. I run a small little business. I remember that vintage and antique toys. Kind of sell from A to Z, anything people like. And you had mentioned to me today that you had just picked up something uh, really special, something that you don't usually see. What's that? Well, it is... I'm not a Star Wars guy, so please bear with me, (laughs) but... It's an old electronic shooting game, mitten box, unused, and apparently it was shipped to George Lucas Studios. So it's the Aces Target X-Wing game, um, which is this really cool piece. Uh, it was It's electronic, but at the same time, it, um, it had like a little almost projector-like screen, and you would sit there with um, the, the handles like you were, in, you were piloting an X-Wing and shooting at whatever would come up. Uh, on on the on, as far as like being projected onto like a little a tiny little screen in front of you, um, but but the special thing about it is you were just saying yes, uh, it has a shipping label, George Lucas Studios, somewhere California. Yeah, and it it, it appears like it was it was um, directed or it, um, the attention part of it was to George Lucas. George Lucas himself, yes. Yeah. So, which makes it really special. So, someone did pick that up, and uh, and it, I mean that's a wonderful piece of history. Something that we don't usually see at the yes. toy shows. Absolutely, yeah. I uh, like I said, I'm not a Star Wars guy, but even I can appreciate something like that. Amen. As Ryan said, he's not a Star Wars collector, so I had to fill in the gaps for him. But to see a toy from the 1970s that was addressed to George Lucas at his original studio was pretty special. Was it being sent to him for his ultimate approval? Was it meant for him as a keepsake for his years of hard work and creativity? I was unsure, but the historical significance was enough to make it a notable find, if not the most notable find, of ZoloCon 2019. Ryan's knowledge of and interest in toys spanning the decades is pretty incredible, and his constantly changing inventory makes him one of the more interesting sellers at these toy shows. When I saw him at a show at the end of last year, he had what looked like the complete set of life-size toy weapons from the 1980s Rambo series. And the time before that, he was selling a G.I. Joe plastic bike in the style of the Hot Wheels children's tricycle, complete and with its impossible-to-find box. Today, though, he found Roger. Again, I'll let Ryan explain. But you picked up something for yourself that's not Star Wars that you had just mentioned. That, that It's just really cool. It's something that I've never seen before, and I just wanted to. I wanted you to explain it. Right. It is a four-and-a-half-foot-tall cardboard robot you build, 1961, with a happy little kid right on the front. And what's its name? Giant Playmate Roger Robot. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really cool looking because it, it's, it looks like, I guess, it's out of cardboard, right? Yes, sir. And then uh, the arms and legs almost look like um, uh, some sort of kind of crumpled paper. Uh, like a... Almost like one of those crappy Ikea lamps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little sturdier. <laughs> yeah. And then it also has little pins. It's 
which you hold the cardboard pieces together with. Okay, that makes sense. It looks nice. It's only the second one I've ever seen. Very cool. And now, is this something that you will sell, or will you hold on to it? Well, that depends, David. If the government shuts down again, I may have to sell it. <laughs> okay, that, that is absolutely true. Um, have you? So you've been coming here for a number of years, yes. and Zillicon, it's a really cool experience. It's um, it's a it's a larger New Jersey show for New Jersey, and. I'm sorry, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah, I keep thinking. Yeah, no worries. Uh, it's it's right outside of <laughs> Philadelphia, so it's in that sort of Philly, New Jersey region. Thank you. You're right. Um, so, um, have you found anything here over the years that that has been notable? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of a smalls. I like the small scores, the rare, weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Last year, especially, I found three carded, definitely dinosaurs which anybody from the 80s probably remembers them. They were three-and-a-half-inch little cavemen, and they came in a two-pack from Fisher-Price or Play School. Not worth a ton, but you just don't see them. Right, they, and a, a lot of times... Sorry. They were in a $2 bin. So a lot of times with that stuff, it, it's not necessarily that it's popular or valuable, but it's just it's something that we grew up with that we don't, we don't see, and we don't see in the package a lot of times. Right, exactly. And I remember them fondly. They were cheap toys, and I played with them in the early 80s. And then I didn't even know what they were called until I actually saw the package. Oh, I did that, I think, with fiddlesticks. I had fiddlesticks growing sure. up. Oh, yeah. And I had, uh, it was like a Marvel co- uh, comic set with Hulk and Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, and Batman. yeah, yeah. And I had never seen the box, and I was at a show with my mom, and she was like, I think you had that, and she wound up buying it for me, which was really cool. Yep, I know that piece well. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. This was very kind of you to take the time out. And uh, are you enjoying the show so far? Is it a good show? Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of my, one of my favorites. Definitely the coolest venue by far. Yeah, I mean, we... I don't think there are very many other places that are in the middle of a centrifuge. <laughs> no, no, probably zero. <laughs> yeah. I hope you sell everything on your table today. What kind of stuff do you have, just to give people who are listening an idea? Well, actually, that's ironic, because I want to sell all my stuff, too. <laughs> but I kind of brought mainly knockoffs, a lot of Power Rangers stuff. When you say knockoffs, what do you mean? Well, a knockoff is what you would probably find in Chinatown or at the dollar store. You know, not everybody in the 80s or even today can afford a new toy like a Ninja Turtle, mm-hmm. but you could afford a Karate Hero. Which is a- essentially a Ninja Turtle, but just maybe a different colors, different sculpt. And- yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I hope you sell all this. Now, you'll be here today and tomorrow? I will. Okay. Best of luck to you, Ryan. Thanks so much. I headed back to the main show floor and ran into Mike Mensinger. Mike has been collecting for decades and has contributed to the website, the Star Wars Collector's Archive. I love talking to Mike. Besides being one of the nicest guys in the hobby, he has a deep understanding of the production process of toys and a deeper love and appreciation of the toys themselves. We hadn't seen each other since the Cincinnati Toy Show in the late fall of last year, so it was nice to be in the same room again. And as we walked around the outer rim of the tables... We had a chance to catch up a bit. All right, I'm here with a good buddy of mine, Mike Menziger, and uh, he is somebody that I always see at these shows and kind of walk around and talk and, and look at stuff together. And uh, Mike, so far, what do you think of this one? Oh, it's awesome. It's pretty packed and good selection of vintage and modern. And it's been been a good time. That's great. Yeah, and have you found anything today? Um, not myself for my collection, but I mean, um, 
kind of just one of the things is really just walking around the show and hanging out with and talking to people like yourself. And uh, I actually met a guy that I've known online for probably 19 or 20 years, never met in person, and talked to him for about an hour. Never met him in person. Oh, my so. God, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So really, for me, it's a social aspect. But, I mean, I've been seeing a bunch of people carrying stuff around that they bought, and yeah. it seems to be a good show. Have you, have you ever seen anything here that even if you didn't purchase it or weren't interested in it, for your own collection, something that just really stuck out to you that you know maybe maybe makes this show stand out. Yeah, um, actually, there's a dealer that I used to deal with before I could drive. Um, he had an interesting. It's a superpowers comic art page. It's a uh, a page. It's not a. It's Kirby uh, would. They would have light boxed it. This guy, Greg Theakston, did the inking, and he would... Uh, what do you mean, light box it? <clears throat> he would basically take Kirby pencils and basically trace the pencils to do the inking. So the end result is you end up with a comic art page that doesn't have pencils under the inks. It's just ink only. But So that was one cool piece that I saw today. I, I saw that. I think he was asking like $1,000 for it. Is that- yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a Superpowers comic that came with the figures, but it, it's not. It's the, it's the regular comic series, right? Yeah, it's from the mini series. Yep. It's just a really cool piece too because it's something that you don't expect to see at the show, which is nice. Um, and we have a number of friends here who set up and everything, and sometimes some people bring some really great stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, people like Pete LaRose, James Gall, they've all got quality merchandise at the shops. Those are guys that are kind of newer to the hobby, right? They haven't been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've all been around the block for a while at this point. Yeah, that's cool. Um, have you ever have you ever done any of like the cosplay stuff like where you dress up or no, I'm I'm a collecting only guy. Okay. Uh, much respect to the people that do that. But that's just not my. Thing. I figured, but I just thought, just in case, like, there's that one time where you're like, yeah, I'm gonna put on the Wonder Woman costume. <laughs> no, no. I think the most you'd get me in was maybe a Star Wars T-shirt or something. <laughs> All right. So, so what does the rest of your day look like then? Um, well, I've been walking around here since about 7:30, so I think the. Pretty soon, the rest of my day is going to look like an hour drive back to Delaware. And, and oh, calling that sounds very good. Yeah, I might be joining you on the way to New Jersey. So, Well, thank you for taking the time out to talk. This was fun. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. The Kirby that Mike mentioned is Jack King Kirby, the famous Marvel Comics artist. Kirby's art is responsible for defining many of Marvel's Silver Age properties, like the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Black Panther, Hulk, Thor, and even Iron Man. Kirby left Marvel to work at DC Comics for four years, from 1971 to 1975, before returning to Marvel. So to see his work on a DC property like the Superpowers comic was pretty unique. After a short while, Robin showed up. When I found her, she was at a table, inspecting row after row of Star Wars figures in an oversized aluminum case. We bounced from table to table, rummaging through containers of loose figures and comparing our thoughts on the carded Star Wars figures in front of us. At this point, though, it was around lunchtime, and the two of us were very hungry, so we decided to leave Zolocon for a bit and get lunch together. As we were approaching the show floor's exit, Robin, who was on a roll hunting loose Star Wars figures, noticed a few in a rotating case on the table I first saw when I came in. In addition to the pop-up Saber R2-D2, there were quite a few from Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. She darted over to the case out of instinct, and after looking through it for a minute, she asked the gentleman behind the table if she could look at a few of them. 
While he searched for the right key to open the case, I walked around the far end of his table, where he had an array of toys stashed up against the wall. Earlier, I had scanned his table for anything notable, but this time, something big caught my eye. I don't know if I had missed it before, or if he put it out later. It was the rare Defend Camino three-pack set from the Clone Wars cartoon series. In the thin rectangular blue box with a clear plastic window in the front were two clone troopers named Echo and Fives, and the third figure was a clone Arcmander named Blitz. Blitz was one of the rarest Clone Wars figures in the line, and while Echo and Fives had been previously released on individual card backs, these figures were completely different versions. As a huge fan of the Clone Wars, I've wanted to purchase this set for a while, but its value had skyrocketed in the past year or so. I introduced myself to the seller, and holding up the Clone Wars set, I asked him the price. He gave me a wave, said his name was Paul, and called out his price from the other side of the table. The price he gave me was certainly fair, and I knew I wanted it. We went back and forth briefly before agreeing on a a price that worked for the both of us. The whole thing happened so fast, but it wasn't until I had handed Paul the money for it and we shook hands that I realized I had just added a sought-after Clone Wars set to my collection. Robin had purchased some loose figures from Paul, and once she was done, we left the show for a little while. We drove down the street to a restaurant called Mission Barbecue. It's one that I found a few years ago on a trip with my mom to York, Pennsylvania for a toy show. We both loved it and were really impressed with the way the restaurant highlighted the men and women of our armed forces. And since the nearest one is about an hour from me, I try to stop there anytime I'm close to one. Robin and I sat at Mission for about two hours, and toward the end of our time there, she pulled out the items she had picked up during the course of that morning, spread them out on the table in front of us, and we talked about them in detail. Hearing the reasons why she picked up each one, and how the details in many of these more common figures mattered so much to her, was really inspiring. And by the end of our lunch, I had developed a newfound appreciation for many of the figures and variants I had previously taken for granted. So in the middle of the day, uh, Robin Boker and I just went out to, uh, to get a lunch, and we stopped at a place called Mission Barbecue, which is about a third of a mile away from the, the venue. And uh, it's a really cool spot. Uh, it's, it's really a tribute to uh, the, the men and women who have served in the armed forces. And, uh, and usually around noon every day, they, uh, they play the national anthem, and everyone stands up and, and, uh, and faces the flag, which is just a beautiful thing. Uh, the food is excellent. We get stuff like uh, pulled chicken, sausage, turkey pulled pork, brisket. I'm reading the menu as we go on, and there are sides. Uh, but so Robin and I were sitting here, and, and like little kids, we brought in our, our toys and stuff, and as we were eating, we were going over some of the pieces that uh, that we each bought. And um, Robin bought a number of amazing things, uh, really cool, uh, loose figures, and uh, she was sitting here and explaining them to me, and I'm going to let her speak now. So Robin, please tell me what you, what you picked up. Hey, everyone. Oh gosh, what I more loose figures. It's it's uh, it's something that David and I have been laughing about. That he's an enabler for my disease. Because <laughs> uh, did I need like another like thirty? No, I mean this is this is a thing where it it definitely. We all have this addiction, and, and if you're listening to this, then you do as well. We know that. But uh, we're we're sitting in front of a pile that's on the table of just loose C-3PO's, uh, Death Squad commanders, Jawas. 
right? Black hole figures, LP Luke. Yeah, so please tell me what you have. Well, I found a very nice Luke Farm Boy Taiwan. Didn't even realize he was a Taiwan because it was a, that's a that's like a dark dark pit where I was <laughs> picking through. Got another gonk. Boba's actually pretty good. The only reason why I think I, I kept splurging and bothering them is because the prices were good, and they're all complete. I also got some Mego figures to complete my um, loose Mego run that I keep in my bathroom because I've run out of collecting space that I'm allotted in the house. So now I keep other items throughout in other areas. And when you say Mego, uh, what lines are you talking about? Uh, well, I collect all the Mego figures from the black hole. And I keep those loose. I haven't bothered getting into those being carded. So I, I just, I love the Black Hole. It's one of the, one of the f- first films I remember seeing as a kid. And uh, I really enjoy it. So it's from 79. And some Death Squad commanders. And they're all a little different. And, and they were complete. And another Jawa. And then another Leia with uh, the Dark Blaster. So with the Death Squad commanders... For me, I think they're cool figures, but sometimes, I mean, they just, especially if you see a number of them lined up, they all look the same. But you pointed out something that you found that was different for every single one, which which made me really appreciate them. Well, I'm really starting to get into identifying some of the variants from where they're coming from. Not just are they, uh, you know, Hong Kong versus Taiwan, but a lot of times, you know, if they're foreign, if they're PVP, if they are, you know, the Lily Lettys, and I, I'm separating them out and just learning the differences. I mean, you could just tell the difference in their insignias, even their belts are different, the eyebrows are different, the faces are different. There's, there's so many little intricacies about them that uh, are fascinating. Also, you know, another thing I like is when they're unpainted and you find just that, like an unpainted belt or an unpainted boot or an overpaint. I mean, the, I bought this Leia today. It's a redhead Leia Hoth. And I mean, she, if you see here, overpaint on her head. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. And she's in nice shape, but she's very different looking than some of the other ones. It, it looks like she has some stray bangs. Uh, yes, it, it looks like it was windy out today for her. <laughs> in Hoth, yes. In Hoth. And then, like, for the C-3PO's, I, I mean, I found one today that's almost kind of orange. He's re- he's like 24-karat gold, so he's beautiful, and he's a three-line. And I, I like to collect the three-line ones versus the two-line ones. And then I get another squid head, because God forbid I didn't have enough squid heads that were loose. <laughs> and what, um, there, was, there was one piece that I said was my absolute favorite that you bought today. Absolute favorite that I that from today. It's oh. your, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's it's totally embarrassing, but I am collecting the little Ewoks, so I, it's the miniature that's the leany. So these these are the the plush stuffed Ewoks that are maybe about what six inches tall. Yeah, I guess this was about an eight incher. Very nice, but the tag is perfect. This one is just so flat, and the expression on the face is absolutely so it's deplorable this thing actually looks like it's been in in like a seat cushion like it's been hidden like like lost in a couch i mean really like his face is completely flat the the hair on, on the entire body has just is totally matted but it he's adorable he's just really cute he looks he looks angry so i'm going to i'm going to go home and take a brush and kind of fluff it up a little bit and try to give it another life maybe take a tennis ball put him in the dryer and just let it roll around no. like it's fluffy cuz then no, I can't. The, the tag is perfect, so I can't do that. <laughs> However, that is that is actually a very good idea. And then I got something really cool, which I didn't have. 
It's an R2-D2 shampoo, and it's perfect. I mean, it's still in the cellophane, and it's really nice. It's from 81. still has the tag of Star Wars on it, even though it's from 81, so it's prior, prior to the uh, ESB line coming out, but pretty cool. Yeah, and while we were eating, we were commenting how brand new it looks, especially being in you know the original shrink wrap and everything too, but um, the shampoo bottles are really nice. They remind me of the Sigma ones. In fact, when, when um, the guy who sold it to Robin picked it up, I thought it was a Sigma statue, but um, it's a really nice job, and uh, the paint's pretty cool on it. The only thing is the head is painted, and the rest of the body is not. No. No, it just, they only cared about the cap. The head screws off, and that's the cap. And then the rest of it is just an unpainted... So And the soap is still there, so, you know, I'm not opening it. But if, if I had multitudes of them, I would for... Uh and giggles. I probably would open one up and do a bubble bath with it just for old time's sake if I had multitudes of them. I have a feeling somebody's going to go home and, and deep, deep shampoo, right? <laughs> no, this one is going in my uh, R2 Focus because it's just perfect. So I'm happy to have them. So a good day overall? Fabulous day. It's always a great show coming out here to ZoloCon. If I, uh, if I worked for them, I could promote it. <laughs> I, always, I always leave with bags of stuff. Nothing carded this time, and I'm, I'm cool with that. No, yeah, it's, it's a special one. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me for lunch today. This was awesome. Thanks, David. When we returned to ZoloCon, Robin continued to walk the show floor, looking for items she might have missed before lunch. I told her I'd see her in a bit and went back to see Paul, the gentleman who sold me the Clone Wars figure set. It was one of the rare quiet moments for him, and in the downtime, we talked about the items he brought to sell, his remarkable toy store, and why Zolocon meant so much to him. I'm here with Paul, and uh, the, uh, the 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 show has kind of quieted down a little bit, which is nice. And we've gotten a little a little breathing room. And uh, I met Paul earlier. I had purchased a uh, a three pack uh, of the Clone Wars series from him, a piece that I've been looking for for a while. And uh, Paul was very gracious, and we you know we we worked out a good price and everything. And it's a piece that I just love, so I'm very happy to to have it. And thank you, Paul. How are you today? You are very welcome. I'm doing excellent. All right. Excellent. And uh, so you were you were mentioning to me before that you've done this show a few times, right? Uh, I've actually done the show with Mike since uh, his early days when he was doing it in Willingboro, uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I started with him there, and he is the only show that I do. I don't do any other show but Mike's show. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and that says a lot about Mike as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's, a, he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I generally don't shut my store down because I'd rather be there with my customers. Mm-hmm. But all my customers know when February rolls around, I'm here in Bedman. It's Zolocon time. Yeah, 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 they know. Yeah. They know. Okay, so you have a store. Where's your store located and what's the name uh, of it? We are in Parlin, New Jersey, uh, and the name of the shop is Paul's Toy Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, 2017 and 18, we were voted Best Toy Shop in Middlesex County. That's uh, we, uh, we've been in business for 12 years. Congratulations. That's Thank awesome. you. Thank you very much. Um, we, we strive to carry a wide variety of toys and a lot of stuff that you don't see mm-hmm. uh, in, in your regular toy store. Most toy stores, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Star Wars, and that's basically it. Mm-hmm. We have everything from uh, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Star Wars, but we also have Godzilla, Robotech, uh, Herculoids. We have uh, Star Trek, uh, Fisher-Price. Uh, we have over a thousand different custom minifigures. Oh my gosh! So uh, <laughs> when you first walk in the store, you see a thousand different minifigures. So yeah. it's everybody from all the superheroes up until Freddy, Jason. You know, we do horror ones. We even have like um, Breaking Bad ones. We have Muhammad Ali. We have Rocky. We have Rambo. We have uh, John McClane. So if you're looking for a custom minifigure as a nice gift, yeah. five and ten dollars is a nice little 
you know, personal gift that you can give someone. Yeah. Um, we do have over 40 ships and airplanes hanging from the ceiling, as well as uh, play sets. And uh, we tell everybody, if you come to our shop, it's worth the ride. Uh, a lot of a lot of different shops, uh, you know, say that. Yeah. Uh, it's worth the ride. You know. So when you're planning to do the annual Zolocon show, how do you figure out? How do you how do you select what you're going to be bringing? Because I mean, there's you you have quite a bit, and I would say it ranges probably from the '60s all the way to to today. Yes. Um, I know that what uh, generally what everybody else is going to bring, and I bring the exact opposite of what they bring. <laughs> so, you know, um, again, I brought Tron, I brought Robotech, and I brought uh, the Knickerbocker Lord of the Rings set. Mm-hmm. Uh, that in itself is such a rare set that people don't uh, generally see it. Yeah. But, you know, we have that in the shop, and then we have the entire Matchbox Robotech collection, as well as the SDF1 playset that is considered the number one most sought-after playset in history. So it's, it's there in our shop. People have come from Montreal just to come down to see the shop. Uh, they actually have a record. It was a six hours and uh, five minutes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so he had the record for driving down to see the shop. Well, And when I was looking, I was going through your stuff today, and, and I'm a big collector of, like, the 2008 to 2012 Clone Wars stuff. Yes. And so when I saw you had the Battle for Camino three-pack, to me, like, that, that's, it's almost like... Like um, when someone would have like a like a, a special album by by a band or a group where it's like okay that that's a hardcore yeah you know, it's a hardcore fan and I, I saw that and I was like okay this guy means business he's got some good stuff yeah so. and and you know we we, uh, we don't just sell like we we collect yeah like we started off buying collections so we could get one or two pieces right so when people come into our shop and they're like the shop is amazing it looks great we love the way you set up it's clean it's this and that and they go oh, your collection at home must be fantastic. And my, my response is always, my collection makes my store look like a dollar tree. But that's my retirement. And that's, so, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And what I do is I, I slowly bring in pieces. Um, I know we, we have the Space 1999 Eagle here. Mm-hmm. We actually have one that's on display in the shop, hanging from the ceiling. We have Blue Thunder hanging from the ceiling. We've got Unicron from Transformers hanging from the ceiling. Wow. So when people come in, there's many times people come in and they're like, when did you get this? I, I didn't see this. I'm like... You didn't look. <laughs> yeah, because it's and always it, been here. And it's it's, been, hanging it's up. been there, and there it is. Or sometimes I move stuff around yeah. just so people, when they come in, it's like they're coming in for the first time. Mm-hmm. You know, we always want to have that feeling of when people come, that it's a place they come, they hang. Most time people come in, they're minimally there for like an hour, just mm-hmm. looking around. Uh, so, and then a lot of time I, I get, you know, when my wife's out in the car, I have to, you know, <laughs> I got I to hurry. I can't stay too long. Or I get, well, my wife let me come. Yeah. You know, they here take my money. <laughs> here take my here take my money. Yeah. Um, but you know, we have a philosophy too. Since we are collectors, you know, we we look to see what the prices are going online. Mm-hmm. We try to keep the prices ten to fifteen percent lower than what you're going to find online. And then when we buy, we also tell the people we buy from, look, we're not going to sell at a top dollar. Oh, right. We're collectors. We want other people to enjoy uh, the the hobby. And it's actually it's worked out so well that. Parents are now coming in, buying their children the toys that they played with mm-hmm. because kids don't play anymore. Plus, yeah. the newer toys aren't what they used to be. Right. So, and you're buying them either as collectibles. They don't even last long sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I t- and people come into my store and they're like, okay, I really want to get in this. And what should I invest in? And I said, look. I said, you buy a toy. I said, my, I, said I consider my toy a toy shop. Mm-hmm. I don't consider it a collectible shop, even mm-hmm. though we have collectibles. I want it to be a toy shop. Because the enjoyment you're going to get out of playing with that toy is far worth more than what it's going to be worth in the future. So I tell people all the time, open it up, play with it, enjoy it, yeah. then put it on a shelf. And in a couple months, 
move your stuff around and play with it again. The, the battle pack that I, I bought today from you, the, the Camino pack, um, the, the, the price that, that we agreed upon I thought was an incredibly fair price and something where I look at it and I say, I have a prime piece that I've always wanted and I don't feel like I had to over overspend to get it. I felt like I, you know, I got it for what I consider to be a really fair, great price where I'm able to look at it and every time I see it, I'm going to be really thrilled with the purchase. So thank you. I mean, that means a lot to thank, me. Thank you. I mean, that's, that's what we try to do. I don't ever want anybody coming into my shop and having a bad feeling when they leave the shop. Yeah. Like I said, this is for fun. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's... If you're not having fun, it's not worth it. it it's not worth it. They, uh, people, I, I, I went around the corner today and people were selling replicas and I bought a replica from Conan the Barbarian and I was like, yeah, because my... My oldest son's name is Lance. Mm -hmm. After Lancelot, my youngest son, so he's 30. I have a two and a half year at home. His name's Conan. Mm -hmm. So I have both the Conan swords. <laughs> so I bought the, the little priest piece for, for him because... I, I'm, a, I'm a 15 year old kid trapped in a 50 years old's body. Absolutely, yeah. that's the best part. Right? Yeah, that's exactly the best part. You know. Um, so what? What were some? Like, uh, you know, you've been doing this for a few years. Um, what were some amazing pieces that you've seen sell here or, or for sale here? And then what were some pieces that you've brought and have sold that are really notable pieces? Um, I, I have sold. Uh, the early bird special set from Star Wars. Uh, every time we have it, it sells here. Mm -hmm. uh, and sells quickly. And sells quickly. Uh, most of the time, the dealers buy it from us because we do have the cheaper prices. Right. Uh, most of the time, I mean, I've had dealers came up to us last year, bought a uh, double telescoping Luke Skywalker, picked it up from me, paid $6.50 for it, and goes, I'm putting this on my table for $8.50. And I was like, well, I don't care what you do with it. Uh, you know, and have at it, and I hope you sell. You know, um, again, I, I try to get the stuff cheap to let it go. We've also, um, oh God, I mean, so much stuff that we bring uh, really sells. Um, you know, I, I've sold Tron sets over and over again. Um, today we sold a Fort Max. Um, Robotech stuff always goes. And again, the Robotech stuff I bring, not too many people see it. Mm -hmm. Though I was happy to see that other people had it today mm -hmm. and people are starting to enjoy it. Um, oh God, I, I mean, when, whenever we have prime stuff and it's in a box, people scoop it up. Um, Voltrons, we've always sold Voltron here if we have one. Um, Indiana Jones, I had an Indiana Jones collection. Everything except the wrench from the mechanic. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't even have it out on the table and a guy came up and bought it and, and he threw me an offer which was a couple hundred bucks and what I was going to put on it wow. and I was like, it's yours, take it. You know? Um, and, and that's really a win for both of you because you're getting beyond what you want without even asking for it. Yeah. And the guy is, he obviously wanted it so badly that he was willing to make you an offer before you even put it up. He, he said to me after he bought it, he goes, I just paid $400 less than I wanted to pay. I said, I'm glad, I said, I'm happy for you. I said, I hope that you take the time to travel up to our store. I said, because you will enjoy it. It, it literally is, um, it's like walking through history when you come to my shop. And that's, that's what I want. I want people to enjoy visiting the shop. I, want I think it's reflected in your in your table as well, too, because, I mean, just, just taking a quick scan through everything, I mean, I can see almost every line that I grew up with, lines that existed way before me, and then now lines that I appreciate, you know, e even like the... Is it Super 7? I always get this. Yes. So it's the yeah. Super 7, like Breaking Bad yeah. stuff, and, and some of the more modern, like, you know, again, Star Wars, and, and uh, uh, even in some Indiana Jones stuff. Uh, you have a huge Power of the Force 2 Millennium Falcon which we, in the box. We actually had an Empire Strikes Back one today, which sold 30 minutes after we put it out. We put it out, and three people looked at it, and uh, three people were like, I just want to go look around. 
you don't have to hold it for me. And then when the other two people came back, they were like, oh. And I was like, I told Sorry. you I would have held it for you. Yeah. yeah. I have no problem holding stuff for people, even at my shop. Because, again, I'm a collector. I know what it's like to go somewhere, see something, either not have the cash or paying rent. You're paying your car payment. I'll hold it for two weeks. I have, without, you don't even have to give me a deposit. You know, Which is that, really fair. Yeah. You know, and like I said, I... I enjoy it, you know. It's it's great. Um, but yeah, Mike's show is phenomenal. Uh, what what would you say is the best aspect or best best quality of the show? I, I mean, every aspect of the show is, is quality. Um, I, I don't know how I got so lucky that Mike gave me this spot, but I've been in this spot for three years now. Um, hey, just to and, give you an idea, if you're listening, Paul, when, when you walk into this place, Paul is directly to your left. As soon as you, you walk in through the entrance, which is a great spot to be because he's generally the first table that you see. And if he's setting the precedent for the entire show, I mean, he's, he's putting the bar up really high. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Again, you know, it's, we try. I mean... You know, we had we had stuff stacked to the ceiling this morning, and and as you can see, I mean, our, our, we were to the ceiling and yeah. we're down we're down to here. And even when you had come uh, earlier, most of our stuff had, had been down. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, and we also bring custom pieces because we like people to see, you know, the enjoyment we have. So I brought you know a custom Electra I made, a custom Indy, and then I just finished building the uh, Yamato from Star Blazers that I brought I brought that just so people could enjoy seeing it. It makes it more personal yeah. too. Yeah, it adds a, a little a little touch. That that you don't get in other places. So. Yeah, and, and again, you know, it, we, we've just been doing it so long. You know, uh, my kids have all grown up uh, with me with toys, and I do encourage people playing with the kids because it, it makes the bond with the parent and the children so much more better. So I really can't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow is supposed to be the kids' day. Yes. You know, so I'm, I'm really hoping... You know that. I mean, I know tomorrow's going to be a good day. I always, like I said, I always do well here yeah. with Mike. He's a he's a great guy. He, he, you know, he advertises really well. You know, and and I mean, we've cleared this table four times today. You know, so I, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And I even brought some stuff that when I went down to Disneyland that I brought back with me because I know people don't want to spend thousands of dollars to go to Disney, yeah. and I brought it up here, and it's five percent over what I paid to get it here. So, you know, it was, a, it was a $120 piece. It cost me $37 to ship it. And I think I put an extra 10 bucks on it just because I lugged it back and forth, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, other than that, that again, that's... that's and and someone's going to look at it and say, that's, that makes sense and that's affordable enough and I can bring it home. Yeah. Jawa Sandcrawler, you know, any of these really cool pieces. Black Series, even the, the Rancor piece, which is just gorgeous and huge. It, it, it's a beautiful piece. Yeah. You know, and, and in fact, it's funny because, you know, sometimes my, my, my son and my workers will be like, um, you know, this is going for a lot more on, online. I said, I'm not looking at it, what it's going for now online. Yeah. I said... I know what I paid for it. I got it at a cheaper price. There's no reason for me to raise the price. And when you give somebody a good deal, like with me, like I'm always going to come back to you now. And that, that's what you want, right? Because we have now a bond. Yes, that's, and that's what I look for. You know, that's really what I look for. Well, I hope tomorrow, I hope the rest of today is, is wonderful for you. I hope tomorrow is even better. And uh, I look forward to seeing you here every year. Uh, you will see me here every year. Right. Every year. So come visit us at, at Zolacon. And if you just want to give the name of your, your store again. Just uh, it's Paul's Toy Room, uh, 3322 Parlin, New Jersey. We're about an hour away from the Fuse. Well worth the ride. And bring your appetite because I'm next to the best sub shop in Jersey. Two years to find my location. I did my research. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Paul, for everything. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. I also caught up with two special collectors and two of the nicest guys in the hobby. Peter LaRose, a collector and dealer based out of New York, is one of my closest friends. And last year at Zolocon, he introduced me to his longtime friend and fellow Masters of the Universe collector, Josh Van Pelt. 
Pete and Josh usually get tables next to each other at ZoloCon, and they always have a few surprises with them. Store displays, hard copies and pre-production pieces, and some of the more case-fresh carded and boxed items are the items that generally adorn their tables. Being able to spend some time with Pete always makes the show more memorable for me, and getting to know Josh over the past year has been a blessing. I'm here with two of my good friends, Josh Van Pelt and it's Pete LaRose. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I, I caught myself. Anyway, um, so, so this is, uh, we're, we're basically at the end of the, the first day of the show. It's a two-day show. And um, how was it for you guys? Uh, it's been great so far. Uh, foot traffic's been great all day long. Um, looking forward to Sunday morning. It's just start all over again. Is Sunday morning generally busier or a little slower? This is the first year it's a two-day show, so we have no idea what's in store. It's kind of cool. You never know what you're going to expect there. Absolutely. Okay. And Pete, how has it been? Uh, I, just, I agree with Josh. The foot traffic's been great. Um, a lot of people looking, a lot of people walking around. Um, you know, sales have been steady. No, no complaints there. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what tomorrow's like. Uh, sometimes the second day of the shows aren't really the best, but... Yeah, we're here with a bunch of friends, so that's all that matters. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of a cool experience. I'm glad they extended it to the, the second day as well, too, because I think there are a lot of people who couldn't come today that may come tomorrow, so it might be good for you guys. What kind of stuff do you guys have for sale? I have a mix of everything, from He-Man to Star Wars to T-shirts to vintage Russ trolls to weirdos, uh, a little bit of everything. One of my favorite pieces that you have is this whole setup of like, it looks like an Orko sweatshirt, uh, a Battle Cat sweatshirt, and a, um, a Skeletor sweatshirt. Those are really cool where they have the head of Battle Cat, the head of Orko on, on top as the hood. Yeah, they're pretty cool. They were made by 80s Tees. Uh, it's a real sweatshirt, and then each one has accessories. Like Orko has his hat, his scarf, uh, Battle Cat has his, his helmet, and uh, Skeletor actually has a belt. Okay, cool. And if you could tell us what's directly above the Skeletor, because that's a really cool piece. Uh, it's a signed Frank Oz photograph along with an uh, unknown uh, Yoda cell. Is it a cell or is it just a, a picture? Because it, it, It's not a picture. It's actually, it may be like a, like a lithograph type cell, sure. you know, a production, I mean, a, a mass-produced cell, but it's but it's not a commonly cell. seen photo, right, or image. I, I've never seen it. Someone said it was part of like a sticker, like the stickers. Okay, so what kind of stuff do you what kind of stuff do you have? I actually I saw a gentleman today coming out of the show with a um, with a Lego sign as well, and I, I remember that you had some for sale. So what is that that Lego sign? Uh, it's a Lego store sign that used to hang in a Toys R Us before I uh, quickly walked out of the store with it. <laughs> Congratulations on your on your theft. Beautiful. And then you have uh, one of my favorite pieces uh, that Muppet I've Babies. seen. The Muppet Babies. So I really I think it's really cool. So if you can explain what that is. Well, it's a it's a 1980s plush uh, store display, uh, 1985 actually by Hasbro. Uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy, uh, Muppet Babies, uh, about six inches, seven inches tall each, uh, in a in a display stand with a header card. Um, it's kind of cool. It's unused store stock. So there's 12 of them in there with the shipping case and all. Yeah, and uh, you were telling me before that they they sort of uh, they started to fill them more with Miss Piggies than with Kermits, right? The Kermits were short loaded. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, some of the cases had or were short packed with with Kermits. At least not the ones I got. Um, so there seemed to be preferably more Miss Piggies in the in the uh, in the in the cases than than the Kermits. But you know, who know? I don't know how they came originally. The the one I do have that's sealed, I didn't open it to check, but. 
It, it seemed like the, one, the ones I got had more Miss Piggies in them. Yeah, and it, it's it's a cool display. So it, it looks like um, kind of a something that you would see on a countertop, and then it has uh, the on the backing it has uh, Miss Piggy and uh, and Kermit basically holding hands, and they're kind of sitting on what looks like a. A, a pillow or a bed, yeah, and uh, and it has it's the Muppet Babies. Yeah, of course, it has the Muppet Babies logo in the in the, in the center, and uh, it's just a really sweet piece. But but the the figures are actually really well made. The, the Kermit's awesome. Yeah, no, they're very they're they're for kids. They're for they're, they're Hasbro softies for, uh, for for younger kids. So they're they're made to to be soft and, and adorable and squishy. So Josh, have you ever picked up anything really cool here, memorable, or have you sold anything really memorable here? Uh... I have purchased uh, vintage He-Man figures, a um, couple variants. Um, Selling-wise, I usually bring just weird, odd things that I think people would be interested in, things that other people might not have, so that, you know, there's a different variety at the show. Yeah, your booth definitely stands out, and you have a you have a Hot Wheels uh, display, which sits almost taller than anything else here, which is saying a lot. Uh, yeah, I have a couple displays here, and I hope to sell them before the end of the show, so I don't have to bring them home. I hope you do too. Yeah, very cool. Pete, have you picked up anything either this time or last year or anything anything notable? Have you sold anything um, notable? This year, the only thing I bought were uh, four New Kids on the Block dolls. Um, For your collection, of course. Of course. I mean, they were, they were brand new on you, so they're, they're mint, which is, you know, they won't stay that way. <laughs> um, but other than that, not, nothing else this time. Uh, in the past, I have picked up some loose figures here and there. Nothing like that. From what I remember, nothing crazy memorable. But uh, you never know. Every show is a new experience. So, and we've seen things like like prototypes pop up every so often, which is cool. Uh, there are some sellers here that have some some kind of rarer pieces, Star Wars stuff as well, too. Friends of ours. And- oh yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff. I, I personally didn't really bring anything high end to this show because I have a couple shows coming up. Uh, in the next few months that I'm kind of holding back some merchandise for. But uh, I, I kind of brought a lot just to kind of, I don't say blow out, but just kind of have, you know, five, ten, twenty dollar items just to hopefully it'll, it'll sell fairly quick. And they've been, they've been moving here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes a little bit to, you know, add up together, but it, it, it works. Making space. You have items that don't normally pop up, things like Spectra, uh, which is, it looks like an offshoot of Barbie almost. Um, it's actually more like it is a it's a Barbie themed item that's an offshoot offshoot of Gem from the '80s. So it was it was a, the kind of capitalizing on that. Um, there's some oddball stuff. Yeah, there's that. Furfuls. You have furfuls. I do carded furfuls with clear bubbles, which is a knockoff of a Wuzzles from back in the day. Um, I have skateboard gang shadow strikers, all by the original case. So there's a lot of miscellaneous stuff like that. But you know, it's just those those cheaper. 80s and 90s toy lines that you know you don't have to go broke to pick up but that are just as much fun to collect so that's absolutely, cool absolutely absolutely okay well gentlemen thank you very much Josh it was a pleasure to talk to you yes thank you and uh, Pete it was a pleasure to talk to you as well thank you Dave as the first day of ZolaCon was winding down, I stopped by the multi-table setup of Micromaglia and Steve Parry, two friends who buy and sell together and own a store called Time Warps Toys in Long Island, New York. Mike and Stevie were the ones who sold the box Star Wars X-Wing Aces target game that was addressed to George Lucas. Mike later told me that the Aces game came from Gary Kurtz, a film producer who worked closely with George Lucas from the beginning, and had produced Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, leaving before work began on The Return of the Jedi due to creative differences. 
So with this type of provenance, the piece was definitely the most special one to come out of Zolocon this year. And needless to say, Mike and Stevie had a very good sales day, and as a result, they treated themselves to some wonderful Star Wars collectibles. So I'm here with Stevie and Mike, and, uh, and they actually were just telling me that they have a new store and everything as well, too, which is great, but uh, I see them every year at, at ZoloCon and then at some shows and stuff, and they always have the good stuff, and they always buy the good stuff as well, too. Yeah. So, uh, so gentlemen, uh, what did you guys think of, of the show so far? Uh, it's been a great show. A lot of people coming in, um, buying, and, uh, you know, just it's overall a good show if you're a buyer and a seller, you know. So, yeah, yeah. And what kind of stuff did you guys bring today? We brought a little bit of everything. I mean, we got vintage Star Wars up into new pops. We, we try to spread it around with between vintage toys and new. Okay. And Most uh, people listening to this are big vintage Star yes, Wars okay. fans. So if you want to be specific on some of the stuff yeah. you have. I mean, we got we have vintage Star Wars, G.I. Joe, wrestlers from LJN, box G.I. Joes, box Star Wars, box Transformers. We try to cover it all. <laughs> Your loose collection is incredible because it's it's literally a full case of just uh, really high end loose figures, uh, beautiful quality. They all come with their weapons. Yeah, we try to make sure it's always good quality, no repro crap. You know, you know how people try to do it. Yeah, you know. I purchased a double telescoping Luke from you guys last year, and it's one yeah. of my favorite pieces that I own. So, and I'm upset I sold it to Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I want them back. I, I want, want them back. back. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so um, how long have you guys been doing Zolocon? This is, I think, our fourth year in a row. And uh, to be honest with you, it's probably my favorite toy show. Unlike a lot of the cons, there's no signings with the, you know, you don't got people just coming in for signatures and leaving. As a vendor and a buyer and collector myself, this is my favorite show. People are coming in specifically for toys, to buy toys, right? That's awesome. Um, it's, just, it's, just, it's a toy show. You know, it's not a comic con where there's toys, but then half the people only come to get a signature or they won a lottery for a free toy. You know, it's 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 a toy show, and that's that's why I'm here. It's buying and selling. So, as far as I've seen you guys sell stuff, as far as the buying, have have either of you or both of you picked up anything really cool today? Have you found anything? Yes, I bought about uh, six of the last 17 uh, Star Wars Power of the Force figures. Okay, so the, the last 17, just for anyone who doesn't know, those were produced at the very end of the Kenner line. Uh, they're the, generally the, the last 17 figures, and some of them are the most expensive and the hardest ones to find, especially with their weapons. Yeah. So uh, if you don't mind sharing, which ones did you pick up? Uh, I got a Yak Face. I got a graded AFA uh, Lando, Calrissian, Barada, <laughs> Evie, my favorite, uh, Luca. In the sky, Stormtrooper, and uh, what do we got? An A-Wing graded also. And Luke was graded, so I'm very happy, you know? That's a pretty fantastic pickup. <laughs> that usually takes people a few years to yeah, get, so... it takes me about 10 minutes, but, you know? But just due to the show, you know? You know, it's a lot of people coming here. You know, we're making money, and we're giving it back, so, you know? And that really says a lot for the show. Yeah. Absolutely. We have to treat ourselves once in a while. If yeah. you guys are putting in the work, but also, too, I mean, that's nice to know that if you can come here and you can sell enough stuff where you're able to, to treat yourself to something like this and that Luke Stormtrooper is graded so you yes. know it comes with the right blaster yes, it comes main, with the right helmet yes that's the main thing with this it's always tough now I know I'm sure that you know it's graded AFA and I'm happy you know yeah. not to worry about that and the same thing for the A-Wing pilot because a lot of times that blaster is really tough to get yes the same thing with the A-Wing yes yes indeed yep and Stevie what did you pick up uh, I picked up some of the same thing, some of the last 17. I got an R2 on a card, a little bubble damage. So you got a pop-up R2 on the card? Yeah, a little bubble damage, but that's all right. And then uh, 
The best thing in the whole show, some might not think it, but I do, is four plush Ewoks in their boxes. And when he says plush Ewoks, he's not talking about the little ones. Where I think we're like no, these, six inches. I mean, yeah, these are really big original ones. From the Ewoks cartoon where you got Princess, uh, I forget her name. Nisa. Nisa. And uh, the, Tara. Yeah, yeah. See, David knows it a little better than I do. <laughs> I think it's Poplu, and I think you have and, Wicked. And Wicked, right? yes. Yeah, okay. And uh, three of them actually have the tags, which is very cool. Do you have a favorite of those four? Uh, Wicked's my man. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Okay, well, uh, it looks like there's another transaction going to happen on your table, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much for just taking Thanks, the time. David. That's always good to see As you. As always, pal. And soon it was time to close the doors to the Fuge and end a day of solid toy sales and great toy finds, of stumbling upon items you haven't seen since your childhood, of walking around with dear friends, catching up with those in which toy shows are the common thread that bring you all together, and making new friends throughout the day in the process. And that's the nice thing about the shape of the building that houses Zolocon. In a way, it's like the trajectory the astronauts took in training within the centrifuge. The more times you go around, the more opportunities you have to learn and to discover about the world around you, and about yourself. And in walking that loop on the show floor, by the second or third lap, the people to whom you give a casual nod as you pass them the first time become familiar faces, and possibly even friends, before the day has ended. I joined Pete and Josh, James Gallo, and a few of our friends for dinner. Sitting in my car waiting for them to finish packing up their tables for the night, I stared out my car window at the massive building in front of me. I remember showing up with Jay the first time, knowing very few, if any, other Star Wars collectors. Having no idea that my life would completely change within the next few years, and that my circle of friends would widen, bringing me blessings and experiences I could not even imagine. ZoloCon was more than a show, more than a building. It was the place where friendships formed, where certain ones were repaired and mended, and where long-term ones began. And as Pete and Josh exited the building for the night and walked toward their cars, I recall the excitement that came with each trip to Warminster, Pennsylvania. Zolocon was always a happy experience, because it was the start to another year of collecting. Of the unknown, the unexpected, and in many cases, joyous, fun memories. The show has earned a permanent placeholder on my calendar, and I cannot wait to see what the next year brings at the place once known as the Johnsville Centrifuge. Mm -hmm.